Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, I have the pleasure of inviting musician Mississippi John Dowd into the studio to share some of the music off of and the stories about his new album, Yakanukani. Yakanukani. Thank you, sir. And that album is going to come out in September 2018. Now, true to the name, Mississippi John Dowd hails from McCool, Mississippi, a small town not too far from the Yakanukani River. Raised in the church by musical parents and within earshot of the juke joints, Dowd has combined punk, blues, and outlaw country into his own strain of the hill country blues. On the new album, Yakanukani, Mississippi John Down teams up with his fellow multi-instrumentalist Jonathan Hill to take listeners on an instrumental journey inspired by the Natchez Trace Parkway. Joining me in the studio, Mississippi John Dowd. Welcome to Military Matters. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, it's great to get you out here. It's great to celebrate um, this new album coming out. Let me see if I can say it one more time. Yakanukani. That's right. Yakanukani. Excellent. Don't look out the pronouncer, pronouncers on the internet, folks. <laughs> you got to hear it from those who've lived it. That's right. Well, on the new album, Yakanukani, it's all about the landscape of your upbringing. I wondered if we could start off our conversation uh, by talking about what it is about that place that makes it such a touchstone of your work. This album, Yakanukani, is inspired by nature and specifically the swamps and wetlands. You know, the imagery that you find in swamps really has inspired the bluesy sound that, it, that is so recognizable in Southern music, particularly the blues and stuff that comes out of Mississippi. So I really wanted to pay tribute back to one of the main sources of music, which is nature itself. And when you're out there in that nature, I mean, we think of like uh, the sounds of the animals, uh, maybe mm -hmm. the sounds of the wind coming through the very landscape that you have. How did you uh, turn that into to music that you would make? You know, a lot of times I'm not using the literal sounds of nature, like the insects, sometimes in the wind, but often it's more of a, a symbolic interpretive thing. In other words, for me, like the sound of a, a wooden spoon across a washboard might represent the sound of the scales of a reptile crawling over a dry log in the woods. I like to play dobro a lot and slide guitar. A long sweeping slide at the neck of a guitar can represent a long winding curve in the highway. It could also represent a graceful bird soaring up out of the mist over a lake. And so, you know, I'm kind of taking the imagery of nature and reinterpreting it through music. Now, you said this is the place where you've grown up, over near the Yakanukani River and by this Yakanukani swamp. How long have you been thinking about this new album, uh, which, as you said, is kind of an interpretation of your upbringing and of these sounds of that nature that you grew up with? Oh, gosh. You know, it's been something that's been in my mind, kind of developing since I was a teenager. Uh, the Natchez Trace Parkway is such a, a very long highway and where I grew up next to it, we used to go run track on the highway. And it was also kind of the main highway to get anywhere from where I was, to go to Jackson, Mississippi, which is the big city, or to Nashville, Tennessee. So I've taken many, many trips up and down the highway uh, with my friend Jonathan Hill, who was my partner in writing this album. And, you know, that, the idea just kind of has been simmering since I was a teenager. And uh, it took time to come to fruition. And actually, some of these songs have been written for years, but I felt like the time just wasn't right for it to all come out. I didn't have it all put together as a unit yet. What makes now the time? I mean, how did you get to that point where, you know, now we have this CD in our hands? Yeah. Well, you know, I thought that now is the perfect time to put out an album that is instrumental music. And it's a relaxing album. It's chill music. And, you know, there's a lot of stress and controversy in our society and in the political arena. And this album is something to just take your mind away from all that. It's something to relax you, and it's something you can put on and listen to while you do your work or have a conversation over. It's not something that really demands your attention. It's something you can have in the background. Well, I mean, I want to hear some of it now. Uh, what can okay. we put on there? I'd love to play the track Emerald Mound, which is track two off the album. Uh, it's themed after an ancient Indian ceremonial mound that's just north of Natchez, Mississippi. 
It's based off one of the Solfeggio frequencies, 258 hertz, which is one of the main earth tones, and it also stimulates some of the chakra points in the human body. So that really ties this song in with the theme of the, the mound and the earth itself. And as you listen, you can hear a lot of the sounds will, will conjure images of perhaps ghosts and spirits, and even ancient ceremonies. You know, when a place has many visitors over the course of many centuries, each visitor leaves a little bit of their own energy in that place. And so these places that are frequented over and over accumulate energy from all the visitors that have been there. And you know, I don't claim to really be able to hear that or see that, but in the music, it somehow comes through. Yakanukini by our guest tonight, musician Mississippi John Dowd. Now, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we got into our conversation is that Natchez Trace is not just it's not just a highway as we think about it connecting these cities now, but I mean this is actually a highway that predates man's time here on the, in on this continent. That's right. It's one of the oldest highways in America. It was an old trade route from Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee. It's centuries old. It predates uh, the Western arrival here on this continent. Well, from what I was uh, reading uh, bef- as we were researching this conversation, I mean, even the animals before man was here, they would cross um, this path to go to different parts on their kind of life cycle. Oh, that's, that's very true. It was actually, there used to be buffalo in the southeast, and there were uh, great herds of buffalo in Tennessee, And the Natchez Trace Parkway was the natural corridor that led them to the coastal plains for the winter, originally. Now, is that something that y'all kind of feel that spirit of as y'all were growing up out there in that part of the country? Well, the Natchez Trace Parkway is a, a naturally preserved scenic highway, so there's no commercial traffic on it. There are no houses on this highway. There are no stores, no buildings. You can drive hundreds of miles with seeing only trees in nature. So it's really its preserved natural aspect. And there's a lot of historical aspects to the Natchez Trace too, but that's not really what I'm getting to with this album. It's more about the natural scenery. Well, from um, some of the promotional materials I was reading, of course, each track is named after a different location on the Natchez Trace Parkway. And so how did you pick those places out? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, because there are a lot of stops along the Natchez Trace Parkway, and there's no way to, to get them all, but I have personally traveled up and down that highway so many times, I've stopped at almost all the places. And each of these tracks are kind of named after some of my favorite spots and the most scenic ones. Uh, Coal Creek is a spot right where I grew up, and it's a very picturesque little swampy area. 
Cypress Swamp is another place close to Jackson, Mississippi that's just a, a beautiful little cypress swamp. And those kind of places, they're so picturesque, they really just make you think of the blues and certain types of music and certain sounds. I don't think we give Mississippi the credit it deserves. We might do that for the river itself, but uh, but not the state. Um, I commonly think of it as a, a kind of cradle of, of the blues music, of, uh, you know, if you consider that the folk music of our country, but also country music. I mean, is that something that affected you as you were growing up? Is that something that you were cognizant of? You know, I had kind of a sheltered upbringing, and I was in the church a lot. So, you know, I grew up with a lot of church music, mainly. And uh, then, of course, once I heard rock and roll, I was hooked on that. And, uh, and really, I've just had, a, you know, an avid appetite for all music since I was a child. You know, the music that Mississippi is famous for, I really didn't discover until after I left the state. It was after I moved up to Tennessee and got around Nashville that I really learned more about the blues and the musical heritage that had really been in my backyard the whole time, and I just, I never really knew to appreciate it. And I think that happens everywhere, that, you know, people don't really appreciate what's, what's right there and what's been right there all along. Well, it's interesting to talk to you because you sound like almost a, a man out of time. And I, I'm wondering, do you recall what that first rock and roll music that you heard um, being brought up in the church and not being exposed to that? Oh, I can remember. I had uh, my little boom box and had the antenna stretched all the way out to the end with some aluminum foil on the end, hooked to the window frame, you know, just to be able to pick up a rock and roll radio station from 100 miles away. And so radio was very important to me. Without that, I would not have even heard, you know, been exposed to anything. And I can remember putting on my headphones because I would have gotten in trouble if I would have got caught listening to any kind of secular music whatsoever. I can remember it just, you know, it got my blood going. And the sound of those electric guitars just connected with something in me, you know, as a, I guess a young teenage boy, <laughs> it does with so many of us. That tone of that electric guitar just gets you. Oh, I mean, I just love uh, the mental image uh, that you're painting for me. Um, now, uh, for many of us here in Milledgeville, of course, um, uh, we know you as, as a one-man band, a man who provides all the sound um, that we're hearing. Uh, but this is kind of a different direction. Tell me about the collaboration that's behind Yakanukani. Okay. Uh, well, this is more of a studio album. It's not really uh, designed to be played live. The reason behind that is that, you know, from I've been out playing in bars and restaurants for quite a while, and the music that you play and that people want to hear in that environment is much different than what they want to listen to at home. And so I came to realize that most of the music I was writing was really tailored to this specific environment, and I wanted to do something different. You know, I wanted to write music for people who are to listen to while they're sitting at home or at work or traveling. Rock and roll is great. But really, a lot of times when you're at home, you want to listen to something a little more chilled out and relaxing. Variety is the spice of life. And also, my last album was called Seven Tales of Sorrow. And that was a collection of all my like most epic story songs. So my previous album was completely lyrically driven. So this album has gone 180 degrees in the opposite direction by not having any lyrics. It's completely instrumental. But it kind of does have a, a narrative bent in it, in that, you know, you are taking us on a journey uh, down um, this natural highway and back into your life, into your backstory, even without having those lyrics uh, for the story. Um, might we listen to another track off of it right now? Sure. Uh, I'd love to hear track number four, Holly Hill. So a lot of the sounds on this are representative of what you might see in nature. The acoustic guitar represents the grass in the fields. The rhythm of the percussion represents the leaves on the trees. You might hear the kibasa come in. It represents the prickly foliage on the cedar trees. You'll hear that long sweeping slide on the dobro representing the long winding curves of the highway itself. If you listen, you'll hear the maracas. They represent the branches and the dead leaves on the ground as you get into the forest. As the track progresses, you'll hear the bass start to come in. 
representing the low rolling hills that develop along this stretch of the highway. Music can tell a story in and of itself. It's a language all its own. Really, it's a language that transcends words. This album is really designed to inspire the listener's own creativity. Was the song Holly Hill that is off the new Mississippi John Dowd album Yakanukani. Mississippi John Dowd is joining us here in the WRGC studios for this edition of Millageville Matters on the occasion of the release of Yakanukani. And also, um, of course, he will be on tour in the next weeks in and around the Southeast. You can check him out uh, with some Millageville dates that we will talk about a little bit later. Um, now, uh, I want to keep on talking about place. I think it's in the theme of this album, but also I think it's in the theme of, of your music, too. The state of Mississippi, the Mississippi River, as we were talking about in that last segment, both of these run a strong current through popular American culture. Now, how, though, did you choose to put that front and center in your musical identity? Well, I am from Mississippi. That's where I spent the first, uh, I guess, 20 years of my life there. And, of course, I, never, I was never called Mississippi John Dowd while I was there. When I moved up to Nashville... One person really called me that one time, and then just everybody started calling me that. You know, that's the way nicknames kind of work. But I guess they called me that because of my my sound. You know, I got that kind of a bluesy sound. And when I moved to Nashville, I realized it. You know, I stuck out. I was different than everybody else, and not better for sure, but definitely different. And you just have that natural swampy bluesy sound. I guess it's from where I'm from, and I think it has to, you know, come from the the geography and the nature more than the culture because I was kind of culturally isolated, you know, from the culture that I was there within. And so it really made me wonder how much the actual natural surroundings and natural beauty might have a, a part to play in the sound itself. Well, when I was doing some research, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, McCool, Mississippi is a very small town. I think it said that there was 137 residents. Could that possibly be right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing. There's not a stoplight. It's just a, a dot on the map out in the middle of nowhere. It's close, I guess, to Starkville or Kosciuszko. It's in the eastern central part of the state. 
Well, and I think for listeners in the Milledgeville area, I mean, they'll think uh, think of a lot of corollaries between this town and Starkville. I mean, Starkville's bigger, um, but, you know, that's a, a kind of a landscape they'll recognize. But I'm not sure that many people, I mean, uh, many people can actually relate back to growing up a town that small. There was never much of a debate on whether to leave or not because <laughs> there was nothing to stay there for. No jobs. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pursue music from an early age. It was my passion. It was all I wanted to do. And there wasn't much opportunity there for me. So I moved to Nashville to, to pursue music professionally. And I stayed there for quite a while. And then I moved back to Mississippi for several years. And I moved to Milledgeville, Georgia in, I believe, 2008. I've been here for 10 years. And Milledgeville has really been a great place for me to be creative and to write. And I've written and recorded a lot of songs here. And I've come to realize recently how much maybe some of the influence of Flannery O'Connor's has had on my music. When I look back on my last album, Seven Tales of Sorrow, and it is a lot of, you know, kind of epically dark Southern Gothic tales with no moral to the story. (laughs) So there's a lot of parallel there that I somehow didn't see at the time I was making, but now I, I see it more now. Well, and of course, for people from Georgia, not myself, um, I come from the Atlanta area and my family's transplants. I was actually thinking about this and reflecting with my uh, wife's family. Uh, I do feel like an outsider here, even though having been born in Georgia. Uh, But uh, many people have preconceptions about Milledgeville uh, before they come here. Uh, Did you have that preconception when you moved here? Did you know anything about Milledgeville's past? I mean, Flannery O'Connor, Central State Hospital, many of the other things that come on here. You know, I really didn't know that much about it, but it is a a very very fascinating place with interesting history and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of good creative energy here maybe some of its dark energy but I have had no shortage of creative inspiration in this town well I want to uh, keep on uh, focusing on you and you kind of carry the history of Mississippi music uh, with you uh, I've seen on your website um, you identify with the hill country blues I was wondering if you might talk about that form of music and also maybe uh, for our radio listeners you can't see but John has a guitar in his hand he's had it in his hand this entire time we've been talking uh, maybe play some uh, to illustrate this form of music uh, that, that you play okay well this last album I did is a studio album and it's you know it's kind of different than what we do live uh, what we do live is based a lot on the hill country blues which is mm, It's a different style of blues than the Delta blues and mainstream blues that a lot of people are familiar with. It's more polyrhythmic. It has some more traditional rhythms in there, Native American, African, and Latin rhythms. And so uh, I performed as a one-man band for quite a while, and that's kind of altered my style. My my guitar playing style has evolved to be more of a finger-picking style. I, I really need all my fingers to get the sound that I'm going for. And that's something that is uh, very common with a lot of the traditional blues players from Mississippi. Thank you. 
right. For those of you who are tuning in at home, that was Mississippi John Dowd live here in the WRGC studios. He's joining me today on Milledgeville Matters, talking about the new album, Yaka Nukani, also just about his music and his musical upbringing, um, of course, in the great state of Mississippi. Um, that was Mississippi John Down live in the studios. Now, playing that music, who were some of the influences that had an, an impact on you? R.L. Burnside is one of the main staples. Junior Kimbrough, uh, T-Model Ford. Uh, those are some of the old traditional artists. Uh, the North Mississippi All-Stars are a younger band that people are more familiar with, perhaps. They play the same kind of style of music and have the same influences. And is this a music alive and well today in Mississippi right now? Uh, you know, it's it's very well known in Mississippi, but in a lot of parts of the world it's not. You know, a lot of these the blues artists have passed away, you know. So that's why I think it kind of falls on some of us in the younger generation to try and keep these styles of music alive that are really not well known and not mainstream, certainly. And is that part of what you hope to do um, with the music that you make and, and with your music career outperforming? Oh, absolutely. You know, being a musician is it's not a hobby. It's a calling. You know, it's an it's an obligation to make the world a better place and uh, to inspire others and also sometimes to inform others. Now, another part of your music is that um, you're a songwriter uh, as well. Yes. Uh, tell me, how did you come to songwriting? Oh, well, I love storytelling and I've always been an avid reader. And so I like songs that have a lot of lyrics, but there's a lot of different ways to write a song. Sometimes I'll sit down with paper and just write pages of lyrics and go back and edit it and re-edit it and re-edit it until I have a song. Other times, I'll pick up my guitar and things start coming out of my mouth that I don't know where they came from. Like I wrote a song and I'm, like, I'm left interpreting it like a dream. It's kind of like having a dream. It's an insight into your own subconscious that you're not aware of while it's happening and you're trying to figure it out afterwards. Songs happen both ways for me. In the time that I've followed your career, you have these albums that are of different genres. Um, some yeah. that sound like, you know, uh, they may be in the moment. Some sound like they, uh, especially like the Yakanukani album, uh, like they may have been uh, percolating for a long time. Uh, yeah. Kind of what is the creative path uh, for an artist like yourself? Well, I really love theme-based albums. I think all the albums I've put out have been pretty well theme-based. Well, my first album was just to, to make an album and get something out there. The second album, Voodoo Panther, was totally raw, live, stripped-down, garage blues duo. And my third album was all the rock songs that I didn't really have any other place to put. My fourth album was called Future Billy, which is a concept album about a robot from the future <laughs> sent back in time. And my fifth album was Seven Tales of Sorrow, which is not really country, more of a Western-themed album with lyrically driven story songs. And this latest album is another totally theme-based album, and that's instrumental, inspired by nature. And that's the kind of albums I like to listen to. And that's the kind of albums that I wish were more of in the world. And so that's the kind of music I make. You know, I like to make music that I wish there was more of. And I wish there were more epic theme-based albums. So that's what I try to make. The musical output, it's diverse. It's very diverse with the, what the sound of each album is. What is the pathway like for a musician who decides to follow that muse in the moment and not have a straight line trajectory from one album to the next? I guess it's hard from like a marketing standpoint. People keep asking me to describe my music and I'm like, well, <laughs> that's really hard to do in two or three words. You know, I do a lot of different things. You know, really, you just kind of have to keep keep doing what your heart tells you is right, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense for your pocketbook. I could do music that was more commercially viable, perhaps, but I wouldn't enjoy it. You know, I might as well just get a job doing anything at that point. You mentioned story songs, and yeah. especially that the last album, um, Seven Tales of Sorrow, is uh, full of story songs. Uh, might you talk about that medium of songwriting? Well, yeah, it's something I've just always loved. And 
you know, I guess you kind of try and do what you're good at. And I've always had a good memory for lyrics and I've had an ability to memorize lyrics. So that's something that I really try to apply myself towards. You know, I kind of pride myself in being able to memorize a three pages of lyrics in a song and then perform it, you know, with I'm not going to read anything. I'm going to do it all by memory. That might be kind of what got me going down that path was finding out that I had a good memory for lyrics and finding, trying to find a good way to use that. <laughs> I really put a lot of thought and depth into my writing, and a lot of that goes unnoticed, but it's something that I wish that there was more of in the world. You know, I think a lot of music is just meant to be simple and taken at face value and, and moved on from. But I like to put layers and layers of hidden meanings in my music, and a lot of it nobody will ever know about, but it's there. And I know it's there, and that makes me feel better. Might I ask if you uh, could uh, feature one of your story songs for us live in the studio? I'd love to. This is one of my earliest songs I wrote. It's called Tyler Town. He rode into town in a beat-up truck. Wind is down with the radio up. Got a hubcap missing on the right front tire. And a four-barrel holly breathing fire. Shovel in a shoe, nothing is hip, the drifter's blues, nothing back home but a farm and a girl. One's his prison, one's his world. And there's something going down in Tyler Town, and the folks all rush to gather round, and they stay. Diner, put a block behind the wheel, stuck his hands in his pockets looking for the change to buy a meal. A lukewarm cup of coffee was all he could afford. As he sat alone, the sky grew dark and his heart fell to the floor. He thought about the friends he'd lost, how long they'd been gone. He thought about the debts he owed, the mortgage on the farm. He thought about the pistol behind the seat of his truck. Sometimes it seems there's no way out when you're down on your luck. So he looked out through the window at the bank across the street. You know desperate men do desperate things when they can't make ends meet. Hanging by a thread at the end of his rope, escape seems like the only hope. Gotta get some cash and split this town. I'll make it to the river will cut me down. And there's something going down in Tyler Town. And the folks all rush to gather round. And they stare and look away. And I'm never going back till my dying. As he walked across the street, time slowed to a crawl. He clenched his fist in anger as the rain began to fall. If you help me just this once, my lord, he began to pray. I swear I'll never come back to this town until my dying day. Well, he walked into the bank as the guard was changing watch. He drew his gun, fired a shot at the nearest of the cops. The others drew returning fire, and as the bullets pierced his chest, he knew his fight was over, at least now. He can rest. And there's something going down in Tyler Town, and the folks all rush to gather round, and they stare. 
Well, I'm never going back till my dying day. I swore I'd never go back there till my dying day. That was Mississippi John Dowd live here in the WRGC studios. He's joining me tonight on Millenville Matters to talk about his new album, Yaka Nukani and talk about uh, some of the touring he's going to do and some of the stories behind his music. Um, that, of course, was one of his story songs. You said that was one of the earliest ones that you actually wrote? I started writing that song when I was 17, and I finished it when I was about 22. And I've been playing it my whole life, and I've always gotten a good response from it. People like it a lot. What's that refrain there? I mean, when I think about the music of yours that I know, that's the one that most commonly rattles uh, through my head, and it's because of that refrain. There's never, you're never going back to Tylertown. Yeah. Tylertown is an actual place in South Mississippi. I visited there when I was a kid, but this song's not so much specifically about that. Tylertown is just symbolic of every small town in America. You know, that kind of an air of desperation that kind of exists sometimes for some people where there's just no way up, no way out and not much hope, you know? So that song is really, it's supposed to capture that feeling. Well, and this kind of digresses from what we're here to talk about, but you're from one of these small towns that is dying out. Uh, what do you think yeah. is the future of these places? I mean, they make so much of our folklore as America, mm -hmm. um, but yet they seem to be kind of excluded from the future that we're building for ourselves in this in this country. True, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say, you know, it's. The death of the small town is definitely contributes to the homogenization of our culture. And as such, we lose some of the unique sounds and flavors that come from different places. As more and more people, you know, move to the big cities, which is, I guess, a continuing trend, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's scary <laughs> to think about because, I mean, even just asking that question, listening to that song, listening to you talk after it, it, it does scare me about, um, I mean, that is a great part of the mythology of America. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we can have the same image of ourselves if we all do live in cities, if we all do have this kind of, as you said, kind of homogenous existence right. here. Well, I think part of what makes me unique as a musician is, you know, is the isolation that I experienced growing up. And I was homeschooled even, you know, wasn't really allowed to listen to secular music, read books that weren't filtered, have friends that weren't filtered. So all that stuff, you know, was, you know, it hurt me in one way, but in the other way, we had no television, you know, or anything like that. So I had to play music or be creative or entertain myself. And so I developed those habits as a young person, and they've really, you know, shaped me into being who I am now. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword with being kind of isolated from culture versus being immersed in culture. You know, they both have their benefits and they both have their drawbacks. Well, and which do you weigh more down on at this time, uh, being isolated from this culture or, or being immersed yeah. in it? Well, I'm a big fan of outsider art because I see that it's it seems to be more pure somehow and that it's just not affected by culture. It comes from something other it comes from another place than mainstream culture. And, you know, so much of our music and stuff is made by people who are really immersed in mainstream culture. And their music and art just it kind of is a, it creates a loop, you know, where art's imitating culture, culture's imitating art, and none of it's really saying anything new at a certain point. So I hope to be somewhat outside of that somehow. You know, I don't know that's, I'm not saying it's any better, but personally I crave things that are different crave something new and different every day so I try to make something that'll be new and different for other people that that want the same things I want well I know I want you to keep making more of the music and I want you to keep doing it the way that you're doing it um, because I have enjoyed all of the products of it um, I, I do want to ask a personal question. I mean, you said earlier uh, that your parents um, uh, had a different vision for your upbringing um, are they at peace with the art and the music that you're making now they are. You know, my parents are great supporters of mine. Of course, you know, I don't think any parent hopes that their child becomes a musician as an occupation. But that being said, my father was a band director. And so, uh, you know, music has been very important to me. And I went to church and dad led the singing in church and mom played the piano. 
And, you know, I was forced to take music lessons as a child before I even wanted to, and I didn't really appreciate it then, but I certainly do now. And I believe that, you know, music in our education system is incredibly important. I can remember being in second grade and listening to classical music and hearing it described as like the violins or the, the witches laughing. And, you know, that sparked something in me at an early age that has somehow carried through even to me being creative now, you know, at this point in my, and I'm over 40, you know, it's still with me. Very good. Now, um, I mentioned earlier, uh, most people in our radio audience who are going to be familiar with your music are going to think of you as the lone man up there on the stage. Uh, I've, I've teased a few times that you are going out on the road um, with Voodoo Panther. Uh, now, yes. of course, this is not the same Voodoo Panther that you were describing earlier when you're going back through your discography. Right. Um, I was wondering if you might uh, talk about um, this next uh, journey that you're taking in the next couple of days from the time when we're recording this interview. Okay. Well, when I started my solo career, one of the things I heard was that you don't really need to get up with the band until you can do it on your own. And I really took that to heart. And so I started doing solo performances. I didn't really want to be an uh, acoustic singer-songwriter. That's not really my style. So I started using a kick drum and a hi-hat with my feet for feet drums and playing electric guitar through an amp. And that developed my one-man band style. And I play lap style slide on the dobro a lot. And I started doing that out publicly, and I got a great reaction to it. People really liked it. So I, I kept doing that. And uh, I would add a bass player. The original bass player was Ernesto Gomez, who's an art professor here at Georgia College. He was the original bass player with Voodoo Panther. But uh, he had other, you know, other commitments and couldn't do it full time. So I've been playing by myself or with various bass players for several years, and I really enjoyed it, but at a certain point, it's kind of limiting me and holding me back from the bigger stages and the bigger concerts that I want to be playing. And I finally got what I feel is a really great rhythm section, and a, a drummer and a bass player who are both from Mississippi, from close to where I grew up, and somehow we all just seem to have the same vibe and just gel together really well. And we've got a good tour coming up in September and October. I think we've got 16 shows across the Southeast. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's more rock and roll and hill country blues. And uh, it's a high energy vibe. Well, you might uh, guess what I'm going to ask you next. Is there any way that you can, um, even though you're playing on an acoustic guitar now, is there any way you can kind of present us with some of the songs like you might play out there with Voodoo Panther in the, in the coming weeks? Um. Well, you know, we do all this, a lot of the story songs that we did before. We'll be doing a couple off the new album. And uh, I don't have my bottleneck slide with me, which is what, I, that's what you're wanting, isn't it? You want to hear that well, slide. It, it need not be the slide, but I was just thinking of some of the more high-energy stuff uh, that translates well to the full band. Okay, here's one that we'll be doing live, and this is a little bit different vibe, but it's uh, it's one of our originals that people like a lot. It's an upbeat, happy song. This one's called Cornbread Time. A lot of times I write happy songs when I'm sad and sad songs when I'm happy. Now, this is one I wrote when I was sad. My grandmother passed away. But she'd always make me a big old pone of cornbread when I go visit her. And after she passed, I wrote this song for her. It's called Cornbread Time. Now mighty fine corn, y'all, it's cornbread time. Step right up, get in line, plenty for all that cornbread time, oh yeah. Cornbread time, it's cornbread time. Hey, now mighty fine. Y'all, it's cornbread time. You'll get yours, I'll get mine. This plan for all that cornbread time, oh yeah. Cornbread time. Cornbread time. Oh, I can't wait till I get home. My little baby made an extra poem. Gonna sit right down, eat it all alone. All night long, it's cornbread time, oh yeah.
now, mighty fine. Come on, y'all, it's cornbread time. You'll get yours, I'll get mine. Just plenty for all that cornbread time, oh yeah. Cornbread time. Cornbread time. If you are just joining us, you're listening to Mississippi John Dowd live in the WRGC studios. He's joining me tonight on Millenial Matters. We're talking about the new album, Yaka Nukini, and also uh, the tour he'll be taking to uh, share that music that you just heard in the WRGC studios uh, with the Southeast region on a tour. And you will stop in Milledgeville, uh, I'm correct. That's right. We're playing a show at Buffington's on September the 15th. All right. So uh, don't just listen to them here in the studios. Go out and support live music in Milledgeville by going out and seeing Mississippi John Down and Voodoo Panther again at the Buffington's on September the 15th. Now, uh, one thing that I, I like to ask local musicians when we do have the opportunity uh, to have them here in the WRG studios is, is what is it like making music in Milledgeville? Well, it's really great. You know, Georgia has a, a rich musical history, and there's, there's a lot of phenomenal talent around. There really are. You know, if you get out, there's some great uh, young guitar players and really all kinds of musicians, but I really am encouraged by the youth I see picking up instruments and taking the time to learn and to master them because it takes a lot of time. Uh, so we're running out of time in our program tonight. Um, so I just ask you, Mississippi John Down, what's next for you? Oh, I got big plans. <laughs> got a new album coming out right now and going on tour. And then uh, I'm looking forward to uh, really the next album is going to be recorded with a full band. And the band that I'm out touring with now, we're going to get just tighter and tighter and better and better. We're going to write new material together as a band instead of me writing it myself and then teaching it to the other people. And I already plan to record it this winter and uh, do another tour in the spring and be trying to get into some bigger festivals in 2019. All right. Well, uh, where can our audience learn more about Mississippi John Dowd, Mississippi John Dowd, Voodoo Panther, and uh, many of the other things uh, that are yet to come? Yeah, well, I guess maybe the most important thing to do is spell my name for the audience, J-O-H-N-D-O-U-D-E. I do have my own website, MississippiJohnDowd.com. You can find out information about the new album there, as well as my personal history and all the other music I've done. Also, you can find me on Facebook, J-O-H-N-D-O-U-D-E. That's John Dowd. Be my friend. <laughs> and if I might ask you, either uh, live in the studio or um, from one of the album cuts, uh, what, might we, uh, what might we close our program with? Let's close the program with the title track from the new album, Yakanukini. Right. So you're hearing it here. This is off the new album by Mississippi John Down with Jonathan Hill. This is Yaka Nukini, the title track off the album. Mm-hmm. 